You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Guys, there are some moments in life where we, looking back, you can see that everything came together beautifully, perfectly. The timing was just spot on. I've had a chance to think about some of these. I don't know if any are coming to your mind right now. Moments in time where things just came together beautifully and you realise, looking back, that was meant to be. Uh, Like the time I was about uh, 22 years of age and... uh, Enough of you have joined the church since the last time I told this story to make it worthwhile. And I was sitting in a, an after-church coffee shop in, in Brisbane. Uh, in those days, I was up living up in Brisbane. In those days, the, uh, some of the key churches of our movement up there ran after-church coffee shops. And some of these attracted scores and scores of young people. The one in my own church would up around 120, 150 a, a Sunday night once a month. And this particular night, I was in a, a church in Ann Street in Brisbane, in the heart of Brisbane. It was their turn to run their night, which was called Coffee Pot. Not brilliant for originality, but at least it got the message across. Coffee pot. And we had a sort of primitive version of a smoke machine happening. And I was sitting at a table with some friends. And it was a very folk era. You know, Peter, Paul and Mary stuff and Bob Dylan. Yeah, well, hey, it actually happened, Chris. Uh, you know, it's not that far back, mate. Uh, and, and look, these were very seeker-oriented events because they weren't terribly spiritual. It was all just into the, you know, kind of bring your friends and have a little folk music and have a bit of coffee and fishnet hanging and stuff. It was really cool. Uh, cool for us. And um, on this particular night, I looked across at this table and I saw a young woman, the likes of which I had never seen before. I'm, I'm serious. This is that sort of like Jim Carrey in the mask, you know, heart leaping out of the chest and eyes like, like that. Uh, seriously, I, I, I had never seen a woman like this before, okay? It was just like truly a, a magical moment. And uh, I had been fairly intentional about finding the right woman, by the way, um, in the preceding years. So I knew what I was looking for. Well, nothing was said that night. I didn't even meet her. Didn't even find out who she was or where she was from. It was just one of those and she was kind of drifted off with her friends. Well, the next Sunday night, it was my church's turn to run our coffee shop, which was called Hideaway. You see the difference? Coffee pot, Hideaway. Big difference there. And we would pack the place out. And I was the youth leader. And it was my turn that night. We had a youth service and I was doing a little preaching. So... When I got up to preach and I had my notes and, you know, I was pretty nervous in those days. And I look out and here's the same girl that I'd seen the week before sitting about halfway back this side of the thing. Yeah, I know. Can you imagine? I mean, how distracting. I mean, I'm nervous enough. And, and, and so she's come down now. A contact point did happen that night. There was a conversation which... Didn't go much beyond, hi, how are you? And then a question which I managed to blurt out. Look, um, the youth department, the state youth department are having a 10-pin bowling night next Friday night. Would you come with me? I know, how smooth is that? I mean, 10-pin bowling, it's pretty. And uh, fortunately, she said yes. And I remember how just wrapped I was. And one of my friends said, how did it go? I said, well, she's got to come. And he said, where is where she live? I said, 
I, I didn't ask. I don't know. <laughs> to this day, we will never know if that was the classic, you know, look it up in the phone book kind of thing. Uh, but I ran after her and uh, she said, oh, oh, I live in Ipswich, which, oh, wow. That was like sort of here saying, I live in Penrith, you know, like about, about an hour away. <laughs> okay, that's okay. So we got the address and everything. Well, you can see where this is heading, guys. That young lady became my wife. That's my wife, Bev. I can talk like this because she's not here. She was in the first service. So I can sort of embellish a little and it doesn't really matter. But that's, that's, no, that's no, no embellishment. That's exactly how it happened. Now, look, I look back on those two incidents. And here's the thing. Look, I look back on those two incidents, right? And like... I view those in terms of perfect timing, like absolutely. I mean, the right place at the right time under the right circuit, just nervous. And so, but it was, it was meant to happen as I look back on my 41 years of marriage with Bev and all the support that she has given me. And when you think about it, how scary is it that we could have missed each other? You know, we could have missed each other. But when you believe with all your heart that it was meant to happen, that's sort of taken out of the equation. You knew that that was the time. Looking back as I reflect on my journey and how God has led me, I realised those moments were meant to be. The timing had arrived. The time had arrived. It was God's appointed time for us to meet and it was very special. Paul says in Galatians, When the right time finally came, God sent his own son. Friends, this was the moment of God's entry onto the stage of human history in the form of a baby. You see, God doesn't operate on Eastern Standard Time. He operates on eternal standard time. And as you look back in the historical context of the birth of our Lord, it becomes very clear. It was an ideal time for Jesus' entry into the world. I mean, conditions were good politically. They were good socially. And in terms of the prevailing religious environment, they were good. They were ideal. The influence and the domination of the Roman Empire cannot be overstated. I mean, they had built roads and and they built infrastructure. And this was all going to be tremendously important for the spread of the gospel. Much easier to move around than it had been in previous centuries. Historians talk about the Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, which, uh, although it was fairly oppressive, it it was a relatively peaceful environment. And so that also lent itself to the spread of the gospel and people being able to move around without there being too much turmoil. When it came to religion, those among the Jewish faith were very disillusioned. They were very detached, becoming increasingly so. They were becoming increasingly frustrated with the beliefs they'd held for centuries because a new form of religion had developed in the previous decades. A form of the Jewish faith that revolved around a long list of do's and don'ts. Huge requirements that weren't even in the Bible or at least if they were there in the Old Testament, they'd sort of, uh, sort of stretch them and added extra stuff on. And we, we see this in the ministry of Jesus. The frustration that he had and that the people had with the Pharisees and the scribes. And so is it any wonder that when Jesus comes on the scene and he starts preaching with authority, what does the scripture say? The common people heard him gladly. Of course, because he spoke with freshness. He spoke with new insight. He spoke in a creative way about God's love and mercy. It was an incredible uh, change of paradigm, at least for a time, when Jesus first started preaching. In the ancient world, the concept of time was taken very seriously. 
Like we just talk about time, look at our watch and dear time is happening. In the ancient world, they took time very, very seriously. The Greeks even had two words for it. Some of you are familiar with this. There was the word chronos, which is the actual measurement of time from which we get our word chronology and chronometer, which is a navigation instrument to measure the to measure time. And then there was also the word kairos, and that referred to time filled with meaning and purpose. Those moments and those experiences with special significance, defining moments, special moments, seasons of significance. And friends, for the followers of Jesus, for the people who are walking by faith and not by sight, life is full of such times if we are willing to acknowledge them and discern them. You think about your own life for a moment. What are some of the Kairos times that you can instantly recall? If you had enough time, like I've had in this past week, to think about my life, they just cascade out, there's there's stacks of... What are some of the Kairos moments in your life? These are the times when looking back, you can trace the hand of God. Sometimes it's looking back, not whilst it was actually happening. These are the times, like in my case, a chance meeting. Ooh, no, not a chance meeting as far as I'm concerned. For some of you, it might be the opportunity which seemed to just come out of the blue, bowl you over, change your life forever. Some of you, it's a period of stress and uncertainty through which you grew. You grew in your, in your ability to endure. You grew in your patience. You grew in your appreciation and your understanding of the, of the suffering of others. For some, sadly, it might have been a major relationship upheaval. A broken marriage. Or the loss of a, a loved one or a close friend or severe, prolonged problems at work. There'd be a stack of different scenarios, defining moments where you changed. Something changed. You were not quite the same after that. And in all of these periods, there came a turning point, right? When you started to move through the haze. And it's more than likely that that involved an individual or a group of individuals who reached out to you in a particular way. They gave you a shoulder to lean on. They gave you an ear so you could speak into it and unpack all your problems. They gave you a hand to lift you up. They gave you words of wisdom to guide you and to to get you back on the path again. They gave you words of peace and, and words of comfort. Look, on some occasions, it's been the voice of God himself. Nobody else involved, just you reading the scriptures. We've had a few testimonies like this up the front. And, and God's voice just coming to you in the, in the power and the person of the Holy Spirit. Can't really explain it. Can't, can't fully describe it. But it, it, it happened. It, it's, not, it's not as common as, as, the, as the community-based support and help and guidance. But it does happen. It's happened in my life. It's happened in the lives of numbers of you. Just you and God doing business. And him revealing himself to you. Very powerful. Very special. I've had the chance to reflect on a few things as I look back over my own ministry and my life. In fact, I've, I've thought about some of the major defining moments and special seasons in my life. I've thought about this many times. 
The reason I think about it many times is because I'm in a permanent state of gratitude. That's how great Magnum is. Most of the, I'm just in a permanent state of gratitude. I just feel I've, I've been given a very blessed life. It's part of my motivation for serving as I do because having received so much, I feel uh, under strong compulsion to give as much back as I possibly can. And I can see times in my life when you can just trace the impeccability of God's timing. I think it's something as simple as the, the time my father was transferred to Perth when I was 16. Now, look, the number of Sundays the Agnew family had missed church since I was a baby when I was 16, you could probably count them on one hand. Like we were, like we were into church and we were in church, right? Third generation, Church of Christ, that's who I am. And we were in a church. But you know, at 16 years of age, I had never been in a church with a full-time pastor. Never, not once. I'd heard full-time pastors preach, but I'd never been part of a church. When we were, my parents were foundation members of the Penrith Church of Christ, and that was just served by the laity. Like my dad would get up. A guy called uh, uh, Roy Ellis would get up. There was just a few guys would get up and they'd just bring a word, very brethren, very spontaneous. And uh, that was the early church for me. When we came to what was known as the Wiley Park Church of Christ, that was serviced exclusively in the years we were there by students from what was known as the Woolwich Bible College. I had some friends. uh, We we had some friends uh, yesterday. uh, we, We met them over breakfast and we met them in Hunters Hill. And we took them to the old, what is now a mansion, which was once owned by Churches of Christ. You should see it. It's in Point Road, Woolwich. It would have to be worth about $25 million today. I don't know what we sold it for, some ridiculous figure, as I recall. But my nana was the housekeeper there for a number of years in the 50s. And it was a place where young men and some young women, but they went to the mission field, I'm sorry. Um, they didn't go out into the regular church work. Um, that was sad. But young men were assigned to our church. So I only ever knew students who were being tried out to see if they had the goods. Some did. Regrettably, some didn't. Uh, But at 16 years of age, I went to a church in Perth, which in those days would have been in the top five churches of Christ in Australia. Friends, I saw ministry as it can be for the first time time I sat under a man called George Wood I had absolutely no idea I would ever be a minister but I had this thought if I ever was I would like to be like George Wood such passion such enthusiasm such love for the work he was a fantastic minister no teams in those days one man with a congregation of about 450 one man that was in the days when all you had to do was preach and visit and run the midweek bible study I got an impression of what church could be like. It was exciting. It was a phenomenal church. At 19 years of age, he called me into his office. I thought I'd done something wrong. He said, Graham, you're not doing much around the place. I said, oh, Mr. Wood, I'm here every day, every Sunday. He said, no, 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 I don't mean that. I mean, you're not serving, are you? I said, well, no. He said, I think you could run the Intermediate Endeavour Group. And I stepped into leadership at 19 years of age, haven't left leadership since that day. And then we went to Brisbane and had the opportunity very quickly in 1969 to lead a youth group of 50 young adults. And that was the whole you know, hideaway scene. And the, most of these young adults, many of them, good half of them, were from the, the Kedron Teachers College. And as some of you know, we had a, a hostel at the back of the church, which housed about 20 young women from the country. It was a guarantee that you'd also have a lot of young men in that youth group as well. 
uh, about twice the number of young men that were of, and, the, and then the women. And it was a fantastic, oh, just an, off, an awesome era. And uh, just through a series of amazing moments, found myself in leadership and then found myself living for the weekends. Had a great job in BP Australia. It was pretty exciting. A little bit of motor racing, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of merchandising. And I was on the upward path as a commercial cadet. But I was living for the weekends. Couldn't wait to get to Sunday. Couldn't wait to get to Saturday and prepare for Sunday, which was uh, we had our, our meetings on Sunday afternoon. It was fantastic. And things like the preaching I mentioned earlier. And then when that meeting with Bev came, and then the harvest weekend, which... I've shared with some of you where I got a letter after a night of praying, God, give me a sign. The next day, a letter arrives. Graham, you're one of the young youth leaders of Brisbane. We want to invite to the Kenmore Bible College for a weekend to find out what's involved in training for the ministry. I broke down. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Still to this day, one of the most powerful moments in which God has spoken to me. When the time had fully come. Wow. It was... uh, and then, of course, the influence of certain people who steered me toward the College of the Bible. I was also had to go to Kenmore College. And certain guys got alongside me and said, no, Graham, you've got to think South Man. You've got to think Melbourne. I said, Melbourne, that's where the heretics are. I've heard about that college. That's full of heretics. And they said, well, no, 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 no. You don't, don't, don't jump to conclusions. My friends back in Perth still thought it was filled with heretics. I lost a few friends over it. But I went to Melbourne and had absolutely no regrets about that and of course friends to start talking about the kairos moments in the 40 years since i entered the hallowed halls of the college of the bible that would take more time than we have here this morning uh, more time than i've got this morning but look here's the thing here's the thing i've become increasingly convinced about over the years and it's this god's perfect timing becomes a reality in our lives as we are willing and open to discern the meaning and the significance of the moment or the season we are experiencing. In other words, without spiritual discernment, without acknowledgement that God does intervene in both big ways and small ways to just nudge us into the pathway that he wants us to travel, without acknowledging that, these are just random events. Just random events, just, just uh, coincidental happenings that may or may not serve any purpose. And a lot of people live life like that without any sense of, of a divine calling and direction. But when you're a praying person, when, you're surrendered, when you've surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, when you're eagerly seeking his guidance, these moments, these seasons become stepping stones on a pathway that we call the journey toward destiny. That's what they become. They become stepping stones on a pathway to that which we call our eternal destiny. Of course, one of our big struggles, it's mine, it's yours, with God's timing is patience or lack of patience on our part. Am I right? But let's get some examples from the scriptures. Simeon and Anna. Remember Simeon and Anna? There are stories in in Luke chapter 2. An elderly couple waiting every day in the temple Day after day, year after year, waiting for the promised Messiah. And then one day he rolls up with mum and dad for the dedication. And uh, no suggestion that on their part it's all, why are you waiting so long? God, we've got lumbago now and we can't really enjoy this moment. But just filled with praise and thanksgiving. 
the fullness of time had come. In contrast, what about, what about Mary and Martha? Beside themselves with anxiety because their brother has died, even though they'd asked Jesus to come before he died and minister. And there's a very poignant moment in, in John chapter 11, verse 21, when Mary says, you know, if you'd been here, Lord, this wouldn't have happened. Gosh, have you found yourself in moments in life when you've said something like that? If you'd been here, God, this, this wouldn't happen. That's a very human response, isn't it? But I love Mary because you know what she says in the rest of that verse? Look at this. This is the turning point. Okay, watch this. Second part of verse 21, John 11. But I know even now God will give you whatever you ask him for. In other words, now that, you, now that I know you're here, he never really left. He'd never been away. But now that he was there physically, she said, I know that you're up for the task. Now that's faith. That's belief in the fullness of time all will be well. In sharp contrast to the disciples who on Lake Galilee, Mark chapter 4, they were convinced that Jesus wouldn't wake up in time to save them. Remember, Jesus had a little power nap in the, in the, in the bow of the boat and the storm is raging and in that amazing moment where they ask him, this is the son of God, they've seen him do so many miracles, don't you care if we perish? Anyone ever had a prayer like that? God, what are you doing? Don't you, don't you care if I lose my job? Don't you care if, I, if this disaster befalls us? Again, a very human prayer, very natural prayer. And Jesus comes up and he does still the storm. Their timing was not quite his timing. And that's the, that's the challenge we face in the Christian journey. But holding on to the belief that things do happen in God's time. And if they don't happen in God's time in the way we would like to see it, what happens in God's time is our ability to manage what does happen. God's timing, when the right time finally came. Now, friends, belief in the fact that our lives are unfolding in accordance with God's plan requires faith. It requires courage. It requires trust. And all the while, the greatest danger, the greatest danger I've found in my life, and I'm sure it's in yours, is that we'll miss these moments. I don't want to miss these Kairos moments, but I'm sure I've missed some. I know I have. Because see, we miss them. We miss these moments when we allow ourselves to get distracted. When we sort of drift off into self-interest. When we allow ourselves to drift from the things that keep us sharp spiritually. The spiritual disciplines we talked about last week with prayer and fasting. Prayer, reading the scriptures, meeting around the Lord's table regularly doing life together with other Christians in connection groups. It's not rocket science. It's just the basics to keep us connected. And when these things start to slip, then we miss the Kairos moments. You see, here we are this morning, what, about four weeks away from Christmas? And we're celebrating this powerful verse in Galatians 4, in the fullness of time, when the right time finally came. It's a celebration of God's timing. It's a celebration of those Kairos moments when God reveals his plan and purposes. But we have to contrast this verse with two of the saddest verses in the whole of the New Testament. And I say that without fear of contradiction. Look at them. John 10, John 1 verses, John 1 verses 10 and 11. The word was in the world and though God made the world through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to his own people Sorry, rather to his own country, but his own people did not receive him. 
Now, friends, they've got to be two of the saddest verses in the New Testament. You think about it. The God-appointed time had come. The Kairos moment, filled with meaning and purpose, had arrived. The political, social and religious conditions were just, just about perfect to receive it. But only those who were looking really got the message. Only those who were looking and expecting really got the message. You know what our challenge is at Christmas this year, every year? It's to cope with the fact that this beautiful Kairos moment will be missed by the vast majority of people in our world. Just another chance to party, another chance to indulge, another chance to you know, give gifts, which is great, another chance to have some time off. And we're now, it's even worse now these days because we don't want to focus too much on Jesus because we don't want to offend anybody. We don't want to do that. So let's keep religion out of, crisp, out of Christmas. Can't have anybody you know, getting upset. And so the Kairos moment, this beautiful moment, is going to be missed by so many people. You know what one of our challenges is? A, to make sure we don't miss it. Kairos, this, this could be a beautiful Kairos moment for you, friends, in terms of our new awareness of God's love and grace and mercy for you. Do you believe that? How many Christmases have you seen? Oh, yeah, go, go, come and go. What's your expectation of Christmas this year? Does it have a Kairos little sort of look about it? Wow, something, something that you're not expecting could happen. Here's the thing. You've got your Christmas list. I've got my Christmas list. But who's on the list of people we can help to see the Kairos significance of the season? Who's on your list? It might be just one person. We've had stacks here this morning already from our first service, as Sam mentioned, people bringing friends and neighbours to hear the Christian message. It could be just one or two people whom you're going to help to see the Kairos significance of this season. Friends, don't miss it yourself. He came to his own people and they did not recognise him. We're his people. May we not be in that boat this year. May we help to bring others to see the Kairos significance of this incredible season. Stay with us, the miracle of Christmas. Let's bow in prayer.